This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Heartland Daily Podcast. I'm Lenny Jarrett, Director of the Center for Transforming Education at the Heartland Institute and host of today's edition of the podcast. Today's guests are Tim Benson, Education Policy Analyst, and Chris Talgo, Editor here at Heartland. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Hey, guys. Today, we are going to discuss the Chicago public school strike and some of the demands of the Chicago teachers unions. So let's kind of <laughs> kind of get started here by if one of you want to jump in, we can start talking about some of their demands. First thing I know, uh, Mayor Lightfoot has offered them 16% over five years, which would take the average teacher salary in Chicago to basically $99,000 a year. So it's kind of insane what they're asking for, and the teachers are rejecting that. So, uh, Chris, go ahead and jump in real quick. And- uh, just one quick comment. So uh, apparently you're telling me that more than $70,000 for an average teaching salary in Chicago with three months off during the summer is not good enough. Wow. <laughs> yeah, according to the teachers' union, it is not. <laughs> uh, Tim, I know we, you and I have discussed this plenty of times before. But a solution to when teachers do go on strike so they don't hold children hostage are strike vouchers. Can you tell everybody what kind of the, what is the concept of a strike voucher and how would that help limit these strikes or at least shorten them? Yeah, sure. So uh, the strike voucher concept was something we came up with. What was it uh, about three years ago, three or four years ago when they were last going to go on strike? Right, the last strike. Yeah. Yep, 2016. So 20, yeah, 2016, yeah. Uh, so basically uh, how the strike voucher works is that uh, if a strike occurs, the voucher would give any student currently enrolled in the district uh, access to a safe place where learning could continue. So any charter school, private school, parochial school in the district with the room to enroll additional students would be given a $50 a day stipend for each uh, strike displaced student it takes in. Um, This would also include not just schools, but uh, non-school institutions like libraries, museums, uh, boys and girls clubs, YMCA's, similar private organizations such as that. There were uh, museums that had, and uh, other places that had taken uh, students in uh, during the last big strike in 2012, but uh, the parents had to pay for those. Um, So, uh, yeah, so basically, uh, so when a school day is canceled for the strike, teachers aren't paid for that day. So the funds that would have gone towards paying the teachers would be available to pay for the strike vouchers. Um, So that's where you would get the money from them. Uh, So by financing the program out of the the strike makeup day pay, which they normally um, negotiate back into their contract uh, so that they don't actually miss the pay when they're on strike. Um, so it would impose, if you did it, if you took it out of that pay, it would impose no additional net cost on taxpayers or the Chicago public schools. Um, so that way it's paid for out of its own. Now, if a strike goes longer than 10 days, or if it goes 10 days, 10 uh, 
school days, uh, parents would have the opportunity to transition from the strike vouchers to an education savings account that we call student opportunity scholarships or SOS accounts. Uh, so basically this would be a mechanism to encourage uh, these private schools, charter schools, whoever, to take in as many as the strike voucher students as possible on a full-time basis. So basically after, I believe it's 10 days, we might've had it nine in the, I can't. Yeah, I think quite, the, yeah, it was, I believe remember. it was 10. On the tenth day, okay. on the tenth day, I guess right. it could be converted. Yes. So yeah, and on the tenth day, if the strike is still going on, the the students that are uh, have been taken in by one of these other schools, the parents of those students can say, uh, "Never mind, my my child is not going back to the school. We're going to um, we're going to accept the SOS account, and my student, my son is or daughter is going to stay at this school. Uh, so that way." Um, teachers, or excuse me, parents um, wouldn't, um, they would give them a way out of this, this tug of war that goes on between C, uh, CPS and CTU every, I mean, it seems like every four or five years this is going on. Um, you know, so if you're a, if you're a, a Chicago, if you're a child in Chicago and you, you know, spend, you know, 12 years in the school system, you're probably going to see at least two or three strikes over the course of your, you know, uh, elementary and middle and high school education. So it gives the parents a way out. It's also another way to put pressure on the union to come to, to, um, to not strike as often or to strike for a fewer amount of days because uh, the more students that uh, take advantage of this SOS account, the less students they have uh, in uh, the Chicago public school system. And uh, so less students means we need fewer teachers. And uh, so it hurts them economically in a lot of ways and just puts a little bit of pressure on them to to be more realistic in their demands. Right. And we're talking about alternatives here. I know, Chris, you've written a lot about the charter schools and what one of the things that the district, well, the union is asking for that was also in the last contract is a moratorium on charter schools. So they don't really want competition, it appears. Uh, can you share a little bit more about that demand? Uh, so the negotiations have been going on for weeks. And uh, one of the first things that both sides agreed upon, CTU and CPS, is a uh, another moratorium on charter schools. So, you know, basically what that tells me is they do not want competition. They do not want uh, more options. They want to uh, preserve their, you know, monopoly power on the uh, education system in the city. And I just, uh, you know, I find that to be uh, uh, pretty despicable. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And that's... Well, especially... Yeah. Oh, sorry to butt in, but I was just saying, especially... Because I mean, just the the charters track record in Chicago compared to CPS. I mean, the the attainment rates are higher. The standardized test scores are higher. Uh, the students, you know, they they attend class more often at the charter schools. The teachers are far less frequently absent. Um, I, I believe in that uh, that Fordham Institute study that came out uh, about uh, teacher absenteeism. Uh, something like 30% of Chicago, the CPS teachers in Chicago are, are considered chronically absentee, which means they miss uh, at least 10 school days a year. And uh, missing that amount of days has a, has a big effect on student attainment and, uh, and, their, and their test scores. 
So over 30% of Chicago CPS teachers are chronically absent. Uh, the, at the charter school, the charter schools in Chicago, it's, it's about 5%. So it's, it, so in Chicago, you know, teachers in traditional public schools are more than five times likely to be chronically absent as teachers in charter schools. And Chicago parents overwhelmingly support more charter schools. So you're directly, uh, opposing something that, you know, in the city of Chicago, not many things are agreed upon across the board. And this is one in which almost almost, you know, all, uh, income levels, you know, this is, this spans races, this spans everything. And for some reason, CTU and CPS have said, well, this is one thing that we can totally agree on right off the bat. Yeah. Well, the the teachers union wants, the teachers union wants more students there because that gives them more power and leverage every time there's a strike. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, the charter, the charter schools in Chicago, I believe it's, they're almost, universally um uh minority students and she gets it's like it's close to 100 percent. 97 i yeah, believe it's like yeah 97 percent. yeah yep so let's get into we talk about a little bit about staffing and the competition some of the other requests from the teachers union a couple they want smaller class sizes they want more staff like nurses psychologists and librarians um, can you guys talk a little bit more about that and and why why are they asking for those things? To me, I mean, I mean, I well, I, I taught in uh, uh, two public school systems, one in South Carolina and one in Chicago, and uh, one of the first things I noticed between the two is that in Chicago uh, they have a lot more bureaucracy, they have a lot more. Uh, positions that are in my opinion unnecessary and i think a lot of it just boils down to one thing they want as many dues paying members as possible and one easy way to get that is to say well we need more uh psychologists more nurses more librarians when in reality i think that uh that is just not uh not the case all right chris when you're talking about you know it looks like it's about more of the money more they just want more staff members when you look at the actual numbers, there's approximately 380,000 students in Chicago, but they have 32,000 staff members that are on strike. That's barely, almost, well, just over one in 10 are staff. So when they talk about lower class sizes and stuff, when we get into that, it's really there's a lot of staff in Chicago, the Chicago Teachers Union, that are actually not even in the classroom. They could lower the class sizes now if they wanted to, if there was more staff in the classroom. Exactly. Uh, you know, I, in my opinion, there's a there's a lot of unnecessary bloat in the system. The bureaucracy just has grown at a substantial rate for far too long, and unfortunately, CTU sees the writing on the wall, and they see that uh, they they need more union paying dues members to keep up their you know their Ponzi scheme in a way of you know doling out amazing benefits and great health care and great pensions, which is totally unsustainable. So they're putting another Band-Aid on a gushing wound. Yeah, and one of the one of the examples of why we know this is about union membership rather than doing what's right for the kids is a couple of years ago, actually at Pritzker Elementary, they had made cuts and cut the librarian, and yet parents volunteered, and the union refused to let the parents volunteer because they wanted a paid staff member that would have belonged to the union. Bingo. And, uh, you know, not too long ago, I'm only 36 years old, 
when I uh, was attending uh, primary school in the suburbs of Chicago, which actually had more money and you know a lot more uh, resources at their fingertips, it's funny that all of uh, that all of our librarians were volunteers, and that was twenty something years ago. <laughs> Today, with the internet and with all the technology, I mean, I love books. Trust me, I'm a big fan of books. I strongly believe in uh, you know reading, but with all the technology available, do we really need, you know, all these extra librarians when kids can just get on a, uh, a tablet, a laptop or any device and have access to this information literally at their fingertips in, in one second? Right. Yeah. We have more power on our phones and stuff than went to the moon the first time. So, I mean, it's a lot of new technology has increased access to everything. Exactly. The, the argument that these uh, uh, schools have uh, less access to information than other schools strictly because of lack of uh, librarians is just preposterous. Yeah, it really is. Some of the other things they are talking about is banking their sick pay. I'm not sure if you know a lot about that as well, but I know a little bit more about that is they want anybody that's not using their sick time, they can bank it. They keep that till they're about ready to retire. And there are instances here around in Illinois, especially and in other areas where people will have a years of of sick time left left. They will roll that in so they can retire early, but that sick time is then paid at a much higher rate than it was when they actually earned it. So not all, they're increasing their pensions, they're increasing the cost to the district already, and the district already has a deficit and underfunded their pension liability, and every bit of what they're asking for is just nothing but increasing the pension liability that they already don't have the money for. So I, you know, I kind of always look at this issue from a perspective of teaching in Illinois and teaching in South Carolina. South Carolina is a right-to-work state, very, very different. Uh, I did not miss one day, one single day in my entire five-year teaching career in South Carolina. And uh, when I left, I did not have one, quote, <laughs> sick, sick day to turn in because they assumed that as a teacher, I should show up for work every single day. And if I you know, somehow accumulated all these extra, quote, sick days, uh, that 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 should just disappear. I mean, it's it's once again, it's preposterous to to me that we are going so far out of our way to placate teachers. And I am a teacher. I am totally sympathetic with the plight of some you know teaching nowadays because it's very difficult. But let's keep this in perspective. Teachers have three months off in the summer. Teachers have a very long vacation in uh, winter. Teachers have a nice little spring break as well, and they've got uh, days off peppered throughout the calendar year. It's not exactly that they are working themselves to the bone. And once again, I totally understand that teaching is a noble endeavor. I lived it for five years. It is hard work. It's stressful, and it's uh, it's time-consuming, and it's also taxing. But let's keep this you know, in perspective. They have a lot of days off and the fact that they're now demanding paid or uh, the ability to bank in their paid sick days is, is ludicrous. Yeah. It's a perk that we can't really afford. I mean, Chicago can't afford anything at this point. One thing I've looked at and talked about is, okay, they want all this extra money. They want pay raises, but yet they want all this extra staff. Chicago's already running a deficit. The school district already is running a deficit. The, the demands of the CTU 
would cost an extra $2.5 billion every single year. And I believe their budget's about $7 billion now. The money's not there. I mean, if they really wanted more teachers and more staff, then they shouldn't. They should be asking for no pay raises to get more staff. Would be a better way to actually go about that. Uh, just a couple of things on this point. So, first of all, it's highly ironic that uh, about an hour ago, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot just had a uh, press conference on the nine hundred million dollar budget deficit that the city is facing just this year alone. So the CTU is totally out of touch because they're demanding all this extra money, all these new positions, when the city of Chicago is literally bankrupt. Right. Mayor Lightfoot is also calling for a bailout from the state taxpayers as well. Something else that's in the demands for this teacher's contract is the CTU is asking for affordable housing for students and parents, uh, and which is completely insane. It should not be something to negotiate on because they're preventing the democratic process from taking place in Chicago as well as the state. Not only that, these people can't even teach our kids basic mathematics, yet they want to somehow <laughs> run an affordable housing program. It's, it's <laughs> just mind-boggling. Yeah, test scores, I believe, in fourth and eighth grade are about 70% of Chicago public school students are not proficient. So only three out of 10 are proficient in math and it's about the same in reading as as well, or it's even less. I think it's 27%. But yeah, talking about 30% of the kids can actually read and be proficient at math, and the teachers want to be paid average $100,000 a year. The median income in Chicago, I believe, is right around $50,000 or somewhere in that neighborhood. So they want to double the medium income, median income in Chicago. They want twice as much. And want affordable housing, they're the ones causing there not to be affordable housing to a certain extent. Bingo. And also, uh, they want to be rewarded for utter failure. Their their job is to educate the children. They are not performing their job. Once again, I'm not blaming the teachers 100% on this. There's a lot of other factors that come into play. But the bottom line is that they are not doing what they need to be doing. And it's uh, even more relevant when you compare the CPS district to all other districts across the state of Illinois that have higher test scores, better graduation rates, better engagement, all just across the board, better, better, better. Yet they do so with less money. Money is not the issue here. No. Money- Chicago Public Schools has probably spends probably more per student than 80, 75, 80 percent of the districts across the state of Illinois. Yeah, on average, they spend uh, two thousand dollars more per student in operational funding and two thousand uh, more in uh, education-based funding. Yeah, one other thing, they keep getting congratulated for they keep increasing the graduation graduation rates, but yet if you look at the numbers underneath that. Over 60% of the students that actually graduate are taking remedial classes when they get to college. So there's inflation on the graduation statistics as well, and these kids aren't prepared. Trust me, and I dealt, I dealt with this in uh, both South Carolina and Illinois. A lot of that is uh, federal funds are tied to graduation rates. Therefore, the, you know, the, the uh, officials at the you know, district and at the school, they want high graduation rates. And if it means that the students don't actually pass the course, I mean, I had students that blatantly failed. I, f- I, I knew they failed. They did not pass, yet I would see them walking across the stage at graduation. And it's just, once again, it's, it's, it's sad because what we're doing is we are setting them up for failure. 
because they think that they're uh, ready to go enter the workforce or, or even, you know, enter a, a two-year, four-year college when they're not even ready to graduate eighth grade in some cases. Exactly. So it's, it's a false sense of achievement to not only the students, but to the parents as well, making it look like they're doing good when they're really not. Exactly. But once again, it's a, it's a culture of failure. It's a culture of, well, we're not doing a good job, so it doesn't matter because we're still going to give them their diploma, we're still going to get paid, and everyone else is going to bear the costs and consequences of that. Yep. So, Chris and Tim, I want to thank you guys for joining me today. And I also want to thank our listeners for joining us today as well. Please check out Heartland's website, heartland.org, as we continue to track education issues and strikes around the country. They're happening all over the place. There's going to be more here in Illinois. It looks like this fall coming up as well. So make sure to go to our PolicyBot website, your one-stop shop for the free market solutions to public policy problems. And if you're hearing one of these podcasts for the first time, make a point to subscribe to our daily podcast. And thank you so much for joining us and make sure to have a great day. This is the Heartland Daily Podcast.